Jessica Libor, and I am an artist, educator, and curator. If you're an artist who wants to create an amazing and fulfilling career in life, this podcast is for you. I'll be sharing inspiration that has worked for me and art world insights and tips. My goal for this podcast is to help you feel in control of your art career and empowered to be the best artist that you can be. Hello friends, it's Jessica and it is getting towards the end of November. We are getting towards Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's coming right up. And um, yeah, how are you guys doing? How are you surviving um, this season? Um, Me, I live in Pennsylvania and they have just ordered another lockdown for us. So um, things have been pretty quiet over here but I have been using my time and I just launched my new holiday collection and um, actually not all of it is new, um, but some of it is new. Um, So what I've done is I've curated some of my work that's available that is holiday inspired, is very wintry, things that I feel that could make really good gifts for people or just have like a more holiday wintry kind of feel. Um, and so I've put that together in a collection that's available on my website. If you're curious, you can take a look. It's at www.jessicalibor.com. It's just my name and that'll take you right to the collection. You can see the button right there. But, um, so it's just been so much work putting that together because as my fellow artists know, it is no small feat to get all of your artwork photographed and measured and put that all up online correctly and um, it's just a lot of organizing and schlepping things in and out of storage (laughs) so um, and then um, you know fixing things that may need fixing you know photographing everything beautifully and then getting the word out too that you're having this studio sale so I'm coinciding it with my studio sale as well which is um You know, I don't do it annually, but I just felt that it was the right time to do this. And I'm actually doing a sale and it is until January or not January, November 29th, which is um, like the Sunday um, after Thanksgiving. So it's basically like two days after Thanksgiving. That's how long the sale goes to. Um, And that is going to be 40% off my entire collection that is not currently in galleries or anything. Um, But it's just all of my studio work, basically, um, that has not yet found a home. And I just really felt that it was time to do this. And I wanted to, you know, I want to sell a lot of my work. I want to gift it to homes. And, you know, I just felt that it was time for a lot of it to move. And so I hope that you'll take a look at what I have to offer there. Um, And, you know, you get the 40% off by using the code HOLIDAY at checkout. And so, um, yeah, I would encourage you to check it out. I have so much work up there right now. And, you know, I even have, I really have something for everyone. I have little sketches from my sketchbook. I have like huge pieces of art that could like, you know, go in a foyer that are like seven feet long. Um, And I have everything in between. 
So if you are a fan of my work, um, I would encourage you to check it out. And again, the sale is only for a few days. So um, if you would like to move on it, then I encourage you to do so as soon as you can. And um, you know what else I've been up to? I did a huge photo shoot too, specifically for the holiday collection. So um, that was really fun too. You know, I got a, I got a fake tree. I set that up. I got all these sprigs of greenery and like decorated all my pieces and got all these candles, lit them and um, set up everything in my studio. I dressed up like, um, like a Swedish Christmas person. <laughs> I don't know the technical term for it, but I know that they're, oh, you know what? It's St. Lucia. St. Lucia is like the spirit of Christmas or something. Um, in Scandinavia, they celebrate that. And um, she always wears a white dress with like a red ribbon and then like a crown on her head. And so I put together this outfit and so I'm just sitting there with my work. But it was a super fun photo shoot to put together. And so that's on my website too if you want to go check that out. But, um, but again, it was so much work and... Um, yeah, being an artist is a lot of work, <laughs> but the difference is that you always love what you're doing. So um, yes, I loved every minute of it. It's all very creative. I wouldn't trade it for the world. So um, yeah, let me let me know what you guys think. Um, I also posted the photos on my Instagram at Jessica Libor Studio if you're curious. Okay, um, so today we are interviewing... I am interviewing John Dalton. Now, if you are a contemporary realist artist, then you probably know of John Dalton. He runs a podcast, a very, very popular podcast um, among artists, and it is called John Dalton Gently Does It. And he has interviewed some amazing artists, like the leaders of the contemporary realist art world, um, and his interviews are extremely in-depth. He's a very patient interviewer and he really pulls things out of, you know, the people that he interviews in a way that I haven't seen before. And, um, they're, his podcast is so enjoyable to listen to because it really is like spending the day with some of your favorite painters, like, you know, going and sitting in their studio and like learning from them and, um, basically, learning about their techniques, their inspiration, where they worked, um, you know, where they studied and their future and their mindset and their habits. So it's really an amazing podcast. I definitely highly recommend it. Um, and he's interviewed so many amazing painters that I really look up to. So then I went on his website and I realized that he was also an artist and he has some really great and very interesting work. And I thought that it would be interesting to have him come on the podcast and talk about his own work because, you know, I thought he's interest he is interviewing all these other artists all of the time, but what about his art? Um, I think that it would be interesting to learn about his process you know, his creative development of everything and also about how that coincides with the podcast. And um, he has some very interesting ideas too. And I thought that this was a great interview. I so enjoyed it. I was definitely laughing by the end and philosophizing. <laughs> 
So I hope that you guys enjoy this episode with John Dalton and um, let me know what you think um, in my Instagram or you can always send me an email at jlebor at jessicalebor.com. And let's see, do I have any other announcements? I don't think so. Um, If you have any more questions for me about this podcast or about my holiday collection, please do just get in contact with me and I would love to chat. Or even if you just want to send some feedback or if you have any suggestions for people that you would love to hear on my podcast, I would also love that too. Okay, guys, have a wonderful rest of your day and actually, um, don't, don't, don't leave yet. (laughs) We're going to go right into the podcast right now. I'll save the goodbyes for the very end of the podcast. All right. And enjoy. Just say something else there. All right. Hello. How, how are you, John? I'm good. Thanks. My headphones are not working. Does that, can you hear, can you hear yourself back or is that okay? Do I need? Yes, I can. I can. Mm Mm-hmm. You can hear yourself. I can I can hear myself speaking, but I Oh I, no, I mean is it echoing back from no, no, my no, there's no echo. <laughs> oh, okay, great. Amazing, amazing. Well, um yes, thank you for indulging me. I need my cup of tea to do an interview. Um and um it's so good to see you and your art behind you looks amazing. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, very, very cool. I was looking at it um, you know, before this and I have lots of questions about it, but um, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. And um, I found out about you through listening to some of your podcasts. And then I uh, realized that you are also an artist and a very good artist. And I thought that it deserved, you deserve to be interviewed about your art as well. So um, <laughs> Yes, um, that is, that's why we're here. So uh, tell us about where you are from, John. Oh, I'm from Ireland. I'm from Dublin originally. I live in Kerry now. So I live right down in the sort of toes of Ireland. If you look at the map of Ireland, it looks a little bit like a teddy bear and I'm down in the toes. Uh, okay. But yeah, <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, have you been there your whole life? No, I'm from Dublin originally, which is the kind of capital city here. So I grew I grew up in a very kind of suburban, um, treeless kind of environment. So right, so now I live right in out in the wild, a very wild, be- very naturally beautiful uh, part of Ireland. Very very cool. Um, and what kind of like made you want to switch that? Was it you just loved nature so much you want to be more around it, or? Yeah, yeah, we, um, we, we were in, um, we were living in myself, my wife, we were living in Dublin, and we were, we had um, business, and we were very, you know, very busy with that. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we had previously lived, I'd lived in Australia for 10 years, and then we came back to Ireland in 2006. Mm-hmm. And we were in Dublin the whole time. And then in 2013, um, we had a couple of deaths in the family. Mm. Uh, kind of you know cancer or grizzly kind of long protracted kind of things mm-hmm. and when that was all finished um we came down to Kerry with my mother to to kind of give her a break because one of my sisters uh, died and oh, um she'd been coming down here for years I have a co- I had a cousin living down here and um my wife had never been down to Kerry before I'd lived in Kerry for a little while many years ago Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, she yeah we just really loved it and I, I think it was just one of those 
times where when something like dramatic like that happens and you kind of go you start to reevaluate things and um yeah out of the blue um Maggie just said hey why don't we try and live down here very cool and it just seemed like the right thing to do so we we my cousin said well come down for the winter if you (laughs) you come down for the winter and you still like it then you'll probably be okay you'll probably want to live here and we were fine fine (laughs) are are the winters a bit rough there yeah a bit wild yeah yeah and that one was particularly bad Okay. <laughs> we had, uh, I mean, every year we have, you know, a family of storms that come through with all different names, you know, Storm Henry, Storm Peter, Storm whatever. Uh, but that year, 2013, the winter that year was pretty bad. A lot of trees came down. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Well, um, yes, we've, we had, have very bad winters here too. I'm um, speaking from Pennsylvania in the United States and, um, we have very bad winters too. In fact, I live on a little street that never gets plowed. And so sometimes I'm snowed in for a week at a time, but oh, uh, wow. yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed for this, this winter. Um, I guess we're all home anyway, right now. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. much. Yeah. 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 But the, you know, the delivery people have to get to you. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yes. It's very important. Um, so why don't we talk about um, your love of art and when that started and kind of your journey with art and how you started getting interested in it. Is this something you've been interested in your whole life or is it kind of like um, a more recent thing? Uh, it's something I've been interested in my whole life, but just in the family uh, constellation, my elder sister was naturally like just a better drawer mm-hmm. at the time uh, as we when we were kids and uh, so I, I don't know if you similar in your family, but like, it's a similar, it's a common thing in families is somebody gets, you know, like labeled a certain thing. So my sister was, she's the artist and, um, uh, you know, and I wasn't, well, I mean, there's like this, I have uh, six brother, uh, six in, in a family. So different people got different kind of, ju- you know, assignments and I didn't get the art one. And so I kind of believed that even though I was really interested in it, and because I was never brilliant at drawing, I was never that good at it. Um, when I had friends who, you know, I had seemed to, you know, have friends who were better at drawing than me. So it kind of confirmed that idea. But even having said that, like um, when I was doing my leaving certificate, which is the kind of high school, the end of mm-hmm. high school here, um, the only kind of honors subject I did was art, and, I, and I, but I went into ceramics. <laughs> So all, I didn't do any paintings or anything like that for that exam. Um, I did, I, I uh, did, um, scu- I actually did a sculpture of uh, Joey Ramone, which unfortunately when you send it off the exam, you never get it back. But I, I would have loved to have that back because I, I think it was pretty good. Um, they just, what do they do with it? They, they just take it? They just smash them all. <laughs> yeah. No way. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I think logistically it's just too hard to get all the artwork back to the kids. But uh, yeah, it's a shame. That's, that's a tragedy. It I, is. That's horrible. Um, yeah. And were but, you working with clay or what yeah, kind of? Clay, oh. yeah, yeah. And it had to go and get fired and everything. And yeah. Mm-hmm. But the lady who uh, was teaching the pottery was very keen on, you know, just art, you know, not just working off the curriculum, but mm-hmm. basically kind of ex- exposing us to art in general. So I ended up going to exhibitions that I probably wouldn't have gone to 
if I'd gone um, through the normal kind of uh, school system. So that was a kind of a start. But again, all the time in the back of my mind, I was kind of, you know, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, it's funny, I was going to exhibitions, but still thinking, yeah, no, I'm not really, uh, I mean, you know, Trish, my sister Trish, yeah, Trish is the artist kind of thing, you know, in the family. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was kind of, um, shunted off into becoming a carpenter because that's what I was John was good with his hands so he's going to be a carpenter Trish is the artist and you know that's kind of the way it was and um, yeah so I I sort of trained as a carpenter and I had you know those kind of jobs I worked on building sites and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and uh, it was a couple of years before I, I was very interested in photography as well um, and I used to do a lot of uh, like double exposures and, you know, as well as like sunsets and, you know, the usual kind of photography stuff. But um, I uh, got into an animation studio. Oh, oh, that's different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd spent the I'd heard about it through um, my sister's husband, actually, at the time mm-hmm. he worked in advertising and he said, oh, there's a new animation studio starting up and they're looking for people. So I um, never went for anything like that before. So I didn't know what to do, what like what to bring. So mm-hmm. I made a little stop motion film <laughs> with the uh, pins, thumb, thumbtacks and, um, you know, action an action figure. I did. It was like uh, Gulliver's Travels. It was really complicated. I spent a whole weekend doing it. And back then you had to send the film off to be developed. It was cine film, you know? And when, yes, it, came back, wow. when, it, came, when it came back, nothing came out. Oh, <laughs> and the interview really? was the next day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I was able, going to be able to uh, show them this thing. In hindsight, now I know they wouldn't have been able to look at it because they didn't have any cine. You know, they were 35 mil film. But anyway. I brought everything. So I had this little suitcase, not suitcase, a briefcase full of slides, photographs, bits of sculpture, anything. I didn't know what to bring, you know, even some drawings. And uh, the guy who um, interviewed me, he was so funny. He was like, um, you know, that cartoon character, Yosemite Sam? Um, I, I'm not. No, I don't know him. But, okay, he's, he's um, like one of the in the Bugs Bunny kind of world. And oh, he's okay, okay. Little, little short so. character who's just like got a really short fuse. <laughs> and okay. uh, the guy who interviewed me, um, he was like that. Um, but he just kind of, you know, very quickly went through everything. And then when he got to the photographs, he just flicked through, kind of threw away all the landscapes and all the beautiful ones. Didn't wasn't interested then, but stopped on the double exposure stuff mm-hmm. and looked at them quite closely. And uh, I got in. I got in in the camera department. Wow, congratulations. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I worked in that for quite a while. I ended up being head of the camera department and I was sent off to to, um, Atlanta to to train in things that are completely obsolete now. Like, um, you know, the Star Wars movies, the the titles, the way the titles come towards the screen. Yeah, like I trained how to do that just on film with, you know, elements and <laughs> all that kind of thing. So, wow. So, quite... how could you, could you um, tell us how they do that? I'm just very curious. Like, uh, I know now they do it. Now they do it with a computer. Right. <laughs> right. It takes like two seconds. But back then, right, the computer, um, like uh, the cameras we work, you, you shoot animation on back then, this was all onto film. Uh, they're called rostrum cameras. And back then, the big thing was computer-controlled rostrum cameras because computers had just come in. 
mm-hmm. um, to that realm. So I used to, the computer I used for, to run the rostrum camera, I used to have to put two floppy disks in, like a f- f- uh, five inch floppy disks <laughs> to start the computer. You had to put one in, one was the operating system and the other was data. That'll give you an idea of how, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy when I think about it now. Um, I probably have more computing power in my watch than you know yeah. that computer had back then. Right. But it, it controlled the, the, the camera. And what you'd have is you'd have the titles um, and they would be printed on a, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it's basically everything was black except the titles. And then you'd shine a light up from underneath so that they would be illuminated. And then you'd have this, it's called slit scan technology. So you'd have a slit that, that would travel over the um, titles uh, as the camera moved. Uh, so the camera room had to be in complete darkness mm-hmm. and then you set this thing up you'd program it to do the to, to do the camera move mm-hmm. and then it would paint the light onto each frame and, mm-hmm. and that's how you'd get that kind of effect sounds very complicated it was and then you wouldn't know it'd have to go off and be developed and come back and you wouldn't know if you got it right till it was developed <laughs> oh my goodness wow yeah. yes we we have things so much easier now in some ways although i do feel that um so much technology poses its own challenges. It's like an overload of um, choices and possibilities for creative people that makes things so easy that it's almost like, it almost makes images cheap. I don't know if you feel that way as well, but um, there's just so many images now that people can make so easily that, um, whereas like back in like the Renaissance times, it's like when somebody created something, it was like people would travel for miles to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's different. It's a very mm-hmm. different thing now, mm-hmm. because as you say, like in one way, yes, it's it's diminished it. But then on the other, now it's become what's instead of what's going to make you travel for twenty or thirty miles to see a painting. Now it's going to make. And now it's what's a, what's it going to take to stop you scrolling? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's the 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 bar is a bit of a little bit lower. But I I do think that the same elements of, you know, the humans don't change that much. And the same things that would make people travel for miles to see something are going to be similar to what is going to make somebody stop scrolling. It's going to be something that grabs your emotion and has beautiful, something that appeals to you in some way. Um, Yeah. yeah, So I think the big difference now is, is it's almost created another kind of image. Uh, in that there's the images that you see on your smartphone, your tablet, or your computer, and then there's the actual paintings themselves in real life. And they are quite separate in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. Like I juried the um, national, national um, annual national juried exhibition in, in Wausau, in the, the museum in Wausau last year. Mm-hmm. And all the preliminary judging, um, you know, I think there was 700 entries or something like that. So I had to look at all those online. I couldn't, you know, mm-hmm. go and see all those. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to pick 40 mm-hmm. um, that would go in the actual exhibition. Mm-hmm. And it was quite surprising to get to Wausau and to actually see them in person. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part, I'd say 80%, it was what I expected. Mm-hmm. And then there was the remaining 20% somewhere like way better than I thought. Like, ah. like 
just spectacularly better. And mm-hmm. some that I thought were right weren't great right. in person, you know. So it's a different thing, really. It's two, it's like almost two separate things, you know. It it definitely is. And I had that experience as well, because I curate shows as well. And I had somebody um, come to one of the shows that I had curated specifically to see this one artist's work. Um, and when they saw it in person, they said, you know, I just thought it would be very different in person. And they ended up not buying it um, and they had come to buy it. <laughs> and it, it was a bit a bit disconcerting, but- um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, hopefully anyway. tech, technology will, will keep going so mm-hmm. that whether it's augmented reality or virtual reality or something like that, that you get a, you know, that the experience of viewing something online gets closer and closer to what it would be like in person. So you get the scale, you get the, you know, you can look to the side and see the raking light and see the brush strokes and see all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the upside of all the technology is people are exposed to and ha- can have access to so much more art now and so many yes that is can... true that's true culture for we... everyone it's yeah and, and we can connect like i see that with my own podcast like the, the feedback i get a lot is that people is sort of go oh it's so great to hear what other artists are going through i don't feel so alone you know mm-hmm. in my studio and i think that's a lovely thing you know Yes, and we will get to your podcast for sure. Um, but <laughs> but I wanted to really talk about you know your art and your journey yeah. with that. Um, so you're working at a photography studio. You're head of the department at this animation studio. What kind of films did they make? Um, they were pretty awful, I have to say. They were. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was a cra- it's, I mean, it was a fantastic opportunity for me and everybody else there because there was no uh, tradition of animation in Ireland. Um, the guy who owned the studio was uh, his name is Don Tafner, and his he his thing was uh, TV. He, what he would do is take British sitcoms and turned them into the American version. So I think his biggest hit was Three's Company. Is that what it was called in, in America? One I don't John, know. John Ritter is like a guy and two girls living in a flat. It was, you know, it was sort of big in the 70s or something. Is it kind know. of like Friends? It, yeah, it would have been, would have predated Friends by about 20 okay. years. But yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> but but that's kind of what he did, right? And he was, he, he was very success, successful at that. And he was just, he was friends with... Um, a very well-known Irish TV chat host. And I thought it sounded like one of those things that was just decided over dinner. It was like, oh, why don't you have an animation studio here in Ireland, you know? (laughs) Okay, let's do that. And of course the government, they gave them a lot of grants. So everybody in the studio had never worked in animation before. Oh my. (laughs) So it was a husband and wife team, Canadian husband and wife team who um, had worked in animation for many years and they trained everybody. So Mm -hmm. the, the wife did most of the animators and then Al did them all the other the technical stuff, you know. So it was a great, you know, thing to to be involved in, you know. But for, ironically for me, it was I I did everything, you know, in animation except draw and paint. <laughs> so it was kind of a continuation of that story, you know. Right. And then um, what happened then? Then I went off and did other things. I became a craniocycle therapist and I still had an interest in art, but it was in the background, you know. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really like I had a podcast 
in like I've been podcasting since 2006. Wow. Yeah, I had a podcast with to to kind of accompany uh, my second book that I'd written, which is called Why Do We Get Sick? Why Do We Get Better? And it was kind of a came out of the craniosacral work. And it was just to kind of continue the conversation, really. And that went for a while. And I think similar to a lot of podcasts that happened around that time, um, it just kind of fizzled out. And I kind of thought, oh, well, podcasting is just kind of a thing, you know, and that was the end of it. Mm-hmm. And then um, around the time, around that 2013 time, mm-hmm. I, um, for no good reason, said (laughs) I think I want to go and learn how to draw and paint like actually Uh you know learn so I went and um, did uh, I trained with it's called the drawing school uh, here and Mm -hmm. it's it's basically Bach you know it it, it was learning to draw in the way that they learned academically with the Bach plates and okay you know you basically start off with a blank sheet of paper and a model or a, a cast or something and a pencil and that's it this is no everything is by eye and you're measuring with your pencil and right you know so it was great and I kind of got over that thing of I had inside of like oh Trish is the artist and I don't really know what I'm doing and I kind of had to demonstrate to myself that I could do it that I could draw that I could paint if I want you know wanted to and it sort of took off from there mm-hmm. and then um I started, wasn't, did I start it then? Yeah, I started the podcast then, but it was actually, it wasn't about painting. It was about, um, it was to accompany the, the next book I'd written, which is called May and Noise. And again, it was like, just, I started off to continue that conversation. Mm-hmm. And then I was, you know, in my studio painting, listening to podcasts and listening to people interviewing other people. And I kind of thought, yeah, I've pretty much said everything I want to say now about my noise, um, but I still would like to chat to people. And when I started, I kind of thought, well, I'd like to chat to people about art because I'm interested in that, mm-hmm. um, about spirituality and consciousness because I'm interested in that as well, and about health because I'm interested in that. Mm-hmm. And then just trying to organize it or, well, it kind of took on its own, um, had a life of its own, let's say. Yeah. So yeah. that the people that I was trying to, I, excuse me, if you look back to earlier episodes, you can see that there's, it's not all artists. Mm-hmm. But what happened yeah, was, mm-hmm. yeah, what happened was the, um, the, it just, there were all sorts of roadblocks with the health and spirituality people. It just, they just either were, we'd lose connection, we'd have technical difficulties, we'd have scheduling problems. Whereas the artists, it was just really easy. <laughs> so it was like it just went in that direction okay and then yeah it's just been this lovely process of uh learning from all these fantastic artists that I talked to and it's mm-hmm. changed my practice and my approach and how I paint and why I mm-hmm. paint and mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's been great and um may I ask what about your practice has changed over the years since you know, interviewing all of these artists? Well, I've learned a lot. It's almost like, I feel like I went to art school, even though I didn't go to art school, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've talked to so many people who did go to art school, whether that was um, very, you know, the kind of classic art school, um, similar to yourself, you went to the Pennsylvania um, school, yeah. didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that kind of classic four-year 
you know, thing, mm -hmm. or people who went through, you know, ateliers, maybe they went through a couple of different ateliers, that mm -hmm. kind of approach. So I've just managed to, you know, I've learned a lot of, mm -hmm. from uh, talking to, to them. Uh, I think when I started painting first in earnest, uh, and I was only, uh, I was talking to Lee Price um, on the podcast uh, Wednesday, so the day before yesterday, and we were talking about this um, kind of, and it was only through talking to her that I really put words around it. But I think when I started, I was very much into expression, meaning I'd have a really clear idea, Im image in my head, like very clear, very unmoving, very sharp, exactly what I wanted. And then I would set about trying to paint that. Mm -hmm. And, um, with varying degrees of success, you know, I'd either be very happy with it or not so happy or not happy at all. <laughs> um, and then I think it was talking to Martin Campos, um, who's another artist, I don't know if you know him, but he was talking about his approach and <laughs> it's completely the opposite, right? He sets up five or six canvases all around him <laughs> and he'll have his paints ready to go and then he will sort of stand there very still very kind of meditative and then he'll just attack the five canvases all at the same time right okay. now he's not an abstract artist okay he's a, he's a figurative artist mm -hmm. uh, but he's trying to he's kind of waiting to see what he does i suppose is another way of putting it so i think that that planted a seed inside my head yeah, that's pretty interesting. I've never heard of that technique before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. And he's been doing it for a good while. And his paintings are remarkable. So, they've got a, you know, I mean, they're not very, they are figurative in that you can kind of go, yeah, that's a figure, I think. <laughs> you okay. can kind of put, there's all sorts of other, you know, color masses in there as well. Mm -hmm. But just his... Um, his approach, there's something about it that, that changed. And then I had a very long chat with Nicholas uh, Uribe in Colombia mm -hmm. and his is similar, but more structured and more, more organized. And a combination of those two, like the, one of the things that Nicholas was saying was, was about he, um, if you're gonna, like for him, if he's gonna paint something, what he's, mm -hmm. he's not so much trying to represent what he's painting, he's trying to represent what it is that caught his attention to make him want to make a painting in the first place yeah. of that thing. That's like the what spirit doing. of it. Y yeah, yeah. So that's what's shifted. It's shifted from me now into more of a, instead of trying to express this image, it's more, I'm, tr I'm exploring. I'm, I'm kind of in the process of painting and then standing back and going, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't mm -hmm. know that was gonna come out okay. or be that way. Like I'd heard about, I think his name is Mel McCudden, uh, if I got his name right. And what he does is he will, instead of just laying down a ground like of burnt umber or you know, yellow or blue or something like that, mm -hmm. he puts a couple of different colors down and then he'll wipe it all with his with a rag, you know, and he's not trying to do anything. He's just trying to put a ground down, but it's a multicolored ground, you know, okay. not loads of colors, maybe three or four. Mm -hmm. And then he'll take that and he'll put it on the wall and he'll spend about an hour to a week just looking at that hmm. okay. <laughs> until, he's, until he sees something in it and then mm. he paints that, right? Okay. And again, his, his um, paintings are very distinctive, you know? So those kind of things, 
um, have kind of coalesced inside me yeah. into a different approach, which is more of an exploration. So it's kind of shifted from expression to exploration. Yeah, that's really interesting. It kind of reminds me of um, the ink blot test, the way that you're describing. Yeah, yeah, the Warshack test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of like, um, I, th I think it's really interesting. I do this thing sometimes where, and I have my students do this too, is where, um, you know, you close your eyes and you you just make marks with your pencil for like a minute and I put on music and um, and then you open your eyes and then you kind of like see what you've drawn like out of nothing. Um, you have all these like marks and then you try to make something um, either figurative or something that tells a story out of your marks. Yeah. And um, I think that it's really interesting because it it really helps you kind of train your subconscious and and trust yourself more you know like that you actually have interesting things down there it everything doesn't have to be always planned out you know yeah 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 what about you though what what way do you go about it um you know it's interesting i usually get my ideas from uh dreams um mm -hmm. dreams or just like i'll be driving or running i get a lot of ideas when i'm running um, when I'm just waking up or when I'm running, it's in those states where you're like kind of, um, you're relaxed enough, but you're awake enough. Um, like your mind can kind of go on autopilot, I suppose. Yeah. And, um, but, but, and you're not, you don't have to do anything complex. You don't have to focus on anything. But also I feel like for me, it's when I'm in a very positive state. Like I'm, I feel like my endorphins are pretty high. I feel good whenever I get like these ideas. And yeah. Um, yeah, I'll just get them as like flashes of ideas and then I'll write them down um, or I'll, I'll sketch them out. But also music for me, music is a very big inspiration. Like certain songs, like when I hear them, like um, sometimes I'll just like sketch to different songs and just like see what comes out, you know? And yeah. every once in a while something will hit me and I'll be like, oh, that would make a great painting. Like I'll, you know, make that bigger. Um, yeah. yeah yeah when uh, it wasn't long after we'd moved down to uh, Kerry um, mm -hmm. and you know coming from the city to a very rural kind of part of the country where you know traffic jams are you get stuck behind a tractor and it's got mm -hmm. you know it's pulling a big bale of hay and people are walking around in Wellington boots and there's sheep you know being traded on the street kind of thing you know and in I, I had a dream one night and we weren't here long and it was um, my wife and I were we were going into town, and as we got into town, everybody was you know everyone was just doing what they normally do, but everyone had these huge wings like butterflies. And in the dream, I was kind of elbowing my wife, going, "That's so weird, isn't it?" She was like, "Yeah, that is really odd." But by the end of the dream, we just got really used to it. It's like it just became really ordinary. Mm -hmm. And when I woke up, I thought wow, that's such a strong image, you know? So I did, yeah. a series, I did a series of paintings like of just those local, I don't know if you saw them on the website. I did. Ones. Actually, that was on yeah. my list of things to ask you because it was such an unusual um, subject matter. I was like, I have to know the story behind this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's the story. And uh, yeah, so just really, really, everything is just normal, except they just have these huge butterfly wings, you know? And it's yeah, been quite interesting to see the reaction. <laughs> people have yeah, I, I liked I liked the uh the juxtaposition of like these um so-called ordinary people like in ordinary situations and then these like magical wings yeah um, it kind of made me feel like 
there was some expression of like that these people have hidden magic in them or something and kind of like to look for the magic in everyone um as corny yeah. as that sounds. yeah yeah it's that's well yeah it, it i mean i, I think so <laughs> i think that's what they're about um it, it's that some part of me was recognizing that in mm -hmm. just the people around here mm -hmm. and that on the surface they may not look like that but on another level if you look a bit harder you can you can see it you know mm -hmm. um but it's funny i had one guy looking at them a local guy and he was looking at them all like well a couple of things like i found it fascinating to see farmers coming in and looking at them and they'd be like captivated by them mm -hmm. <laughs> you know they're just you would just stand there looking at them and they might recognize oh that's jim or that's pat or whatever mm -hmm. but another guy was saying he was looking at them going oh okay so all these people have passed away have they <laughs> oh i said oh, uh, i don't know actually yeah. he said oh okay good so for him they were like a representation of like they're they'd gone up to heaven or something you know? okay i guess the wings um, yeah 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 interesting so um so tell me what you're working on now what's inspiring you right now uh well two th i've kind of got two things um i've got what i was saying these kind of expressive uh paintings um so like previously i was working on pretty big canvases mm -hmm. uh like kind of what's behind me but mm -hmm. then um another kind of strand that has kind of slowly dawned on me is uh coming to realize the difference between the painter between the painters i like and then the painter I am. <laughs> oh, interesting. Let's talk about that. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, it sort of came from who was saying it first. I think it was Katie O'Hagan. She, she said it first. She was saying, uh, the way I paint is not the, it's not, I'm not the sort of painter that I would like to be, but I've come mm -hmm. to accept the painter that I am, you know? Mm -hmm. So she paints very, not photorealistic, but they're very tight, you know? And mm -hmm. um, whereas she likes really brushy sergeant kind of, you know, bravura kind of brush strokes, but mm -hmm. she doesn't paint like that, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I've been kind of coming to that more myself. Uh, so mm -hmm. um, just in the last while, I, I thought about it quite a, quite a bit. What do I like? What do I really like? like what i'm um, not like in a preference but what do i feel very comfortable with or what does what speaks to me that's probably a better way of putting it mm -hmm. and um i i really like little models like little diorama you know models um, oh, yeah we, we never had them in ireland like that i never heard of a diorama <laughs> until i was an adult um so i um i've kind of come to uh, I'm, I'm working on a lot of um small wooden panels uh, i'm not making dioramas but just the idea of something small and mm -hmm. manageable so they're like a foot square mm -hmm. and they've got a, they're pretty thick and i was only saying this to lee yeah on wednesday i sort of feel like <laughs> I, I like them because i feel like i can sandpaper the the hell out of them if i want to and um, uh -huh. something about that and something about them being not so precious there's something about a bit precious about a big canvas mm -hmm. and that i can't kind of attack it if i want to and i heard myself saying to lee it's sort of like i feel like i can get the painting in a headlock instead of the painting having me in a headlock <laughs> when they're small you know there's these little yeah. little things i can you know 
um, and a lot of um, gesso on them. And then starting on, like I have a reference photo, but I'm not trying to paint the photo. I'm trying to paint what it is about it that interests me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's one kind of thing I'm doing. Hmm. And then... Uh, and may I ask, so where do you find these photos that interest you? And are and the second question is, are, have you been able to kind of find a thread of the things that interest you as you're working on them? Um, the photos are all photos I've taken. Um, mm-hmm. Then there is another... Um, there's, so there's there's that kind of set. Excuse me. Then there's also uh, images that I've had in my head. Not not like the farmer thing. They're actually film stills um, for a film that's never been made. So oh. I have a kind of character in my head, um, which kind of, it reminds me of kind of Wes Anderson kind of films, okay. but from an Irish kind of perspective. You know the way there's great symmetry to all his framing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With, with all his uh, shots so something like that um so there's there's that as well but it's similar i'm not trying to paint this perfect image i'm trying to paint a the the feeling or the, whatever it is about this particular kind of story mm. that's attracting me mm. so there's that um but i think overarching all my like artistic um things that i do is my uh like i've been interested in kind of consciousness and spirituality right you know all the way like since i was very young Mm -hmm. and that really informs everything um so like um i don't know if you can see this there's a painting here this biggish one here down on the ground behind me but that's that's a good example of it um Mm -hmm. see if you can see it okay so that that's like a lady in space kind of with barnacles on her and that came from um oh no i can't i don't think i can see that i can see the the um the person yes. with like the, the halo um but not the one below it yeah well it, i'll tell you about it anyway <laughs> okay. okay so it'll, it'll make more sense um okay. the um so as as i was saying like i was a, a craniosacral therapist for many years and i trained craniosacral therapists and one of the things about that kind of work is it's very meditative work and you're working um, with your hands on a person, all right, feeling very subtle rhythms and movements in their body and helping them to release. Uh, but you have your eyes closed a lot. And often um, the what's gone on in the person's body would represent itself to me kind of visually. So I'd have these very strong visual uh, images, which is very helpful for, you know, if you, you like I would I had to study anatomy and physiology pretty closely so I could kind of see the bones and I could see where they were stuck and I could see them unstucking so having a kind of strong visual sense of them was very was very helpful yeah but then that kind of extended the the more skilled I became at that mm-hmm. the more I could uh I didn't actually have to have my hands on the person and I could, I can kind of work remotely, which is a lot of what the work I do now. But say that painting, the one I was talking about, um, my uh, wife was working in a nursing home at the time and she uh, was on the night shift and she called me quite kind of distressed. I was like, oh, there's a lady here and she's just in a lot of distress. She's just, you know, she's got mental health problems. An older lady, she's kind of gone in and out of dementia. And she's like, she just keeps talking and screaming and can you do anything 
So oh. I now I'm at home, right? So but so I tuned into her and I had this very strong image of she sort of appeared out of the dark <laughs> like a galleon, you know, like a Spanish galleon. And she mm. had all these barnacles, like psychic barnacles that were tormenting her, right? It was a very strong image, you know? Wow. And, uh, Interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I worked away and my wife told me later that, yeah, she stopped crying and all that kind of thing. But I started the painting and um, this would have been a couple of, would have been a month later. And mm-hmm. I I'd, um, had it up on the easel and my wife walked in one day and she just was like, oh my God, <laughs> that's the woman. Like, let's, oh, wow. Let's say her name is, yeah, let's say her name is Mary. So that's exactly what she looks like. <laughs> oh, that's crazy that you could tune into her like that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, again, I wasn't trying to, I was just paint. I was just trying to paint what I'd seen on the inside, you know? Mm-hmm. So I have a whole lot of those kind of images um which are very unusual kind of mm-hmm. you know it, <laughs> in a way they they don't really come from me it's me just kind of just describing what i'm seeing you know right. so yeah I have, a, I have a lot of those um in in mind at the moment but again they would be kind of in that kind of expressing um mm-hmm. expressing mm-hmm. so a ve- like i have a very very you know um, beginnings of an idea where like at the moment I'm very busy with you know everything because I you know I have I do this further emergence work which you know I do meditations every day I do this you know further emergence zoom group and I do I see people you know for one-to-ones every week as well and I do the podcast and I've got my painting and I write books wow. so I'm, I'm like <laughs> I'm full yeah. yes you are <laughs> but I was talking to um Anne McGill, um, who's a great um, uh, artist in in the UK, and she, well, we were talking about this, and she was saying, well, "Why don't you collaborate?" You know, because the the idea of trying to of express getting of painting in an expressive way, it doesn't interest me that much. But it would be nice to see these images, you know. So I'm thinking right. of doing collaborations with mm-hmm. uh, figurative artists that I like, and oh. um, you know, describing the story. Mm-hmm. and what happened and what i saw and then seeing what they how they represent that you know if they're mm-hmm. interested but that's a very uh, you know that's a very fresh idea so that may may or may not happen interesting have you ever collaborated before uh well like animation is a hugely collaborative uh, that's true that's true uh, thing yeah. so i'm i'm familiar in that regard yeah, um, not on a painting. Have I done it on a painting? No, not on a painting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm familiar with collaboration, the, that mm-hmm. process and how it works, you know, from yeah. uh, from the animation times, you know. Okay, so I have a question for you. Um, I am aware of a practice that some artists have, um, certainly not anyone who's been on your podcast, but um, some artists they they have these huge studios when they get really big and you know they have these huge studios and they hire other artists to paint their paintings for them yeah Um, and they you know it's it's their vision so they have they usually have you know references that they're working from and everything um but these artists they basically are just there to do the manual labor of like creating the the pieces like like the renaissance (laughs) 
Yes, exactly. So I was wondering um, what what you think about that, about like the, um, I don't know, the moral um, implications of that, or do you feel that it is, <clears throat> do you feel that art is only about the expression of the idea, or do you feel that it is also about the technique and that person's skill level? Uh, I think it's up to the artist, really. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like <laughs> one one thing I you know came across really uh, something that stuck in my mind from say chatting with Bo Bartlett was he he was saying that, uh, and I think this is a great thing to know uh, that that the he spends he's very careful about his intention when he's painting, what he's mm -hmm. thinking about, and mm -hmm. how where he's at. So he's very careful to make sure that he is for the whole time he's painting. That he had that the he's in alignment with his intent for the painting. Oh, I love that. So, yeah, to the point where he was saying that what he says to his students is, you know, mix your paint, whatever, and then you know, dip your paintbrush in, but don't put it straight on the canvas. Take a moment and blow on your on your brush, right? Okay. <laughs> and you what you're trying to blow, you know, when he's like it's his way of sort of saying you're blowing the intention into the painting, oh. um, into the paint. Because mm -hmm. he was saying that paint has this quality of uh, this magical ability to capture your intention as it you really paint. It really does. And yeah, he's right. He's dead right. Mm -hmm. So if that really speaks to you, then having assistance is not going to work for you. Right. <laughs> you know, people, if, you, if, if that kind of way of painting is, you know, I don't like Bobart could never have an assistant paint the, hand, the, the body and he'll just paint the hands and face kind of thing. But then, you know, if you're Jeff Coons, and I've like I've talked to a few artists who used to work for Jeff Koons in in his um, mm -hmm. uh, factories. That's whatever what I describe studio in his studio. Um, and uh, like if if you're him and you're just like I don't care, I just want to get my vision realized. Right. You know, then he's that kind of an artist. You know, so and the, there's a place for all of that. Like you know, is a film director not an artist because he doesn't run the camera or doesn't actually make the sets or right. You know, it's right. similar. It, it's just it a different is. way it is of similar. going about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And some of the bigger, um, like if you've ever looked at the, um, any of the sculptures they do in Carrera, you know, the, the town where the marble comes from in Italy, yeah. they have mm -hmm. all these little workshops and you can commission them, you know, to make your sculpture. So if you don't have the skill to do that, but you mm -hmm. have the vision, you know, like I can see this three-dimensional beautiful figure, mm -hmm. which, you know, there's quite a few artists use them for that. Mm -hmm. um, should you not do it because you can't, you know, or should you go off and learn how to be a sculptor? Mm -hmm. That's a very, those, those are very personal questions, but I don't think there's any hard and fast right or wrong way. Right, right. You know, like I was talking to um, uh, Lee Price on Wednesday and she, we were talking about this because she was she uses a projector mm -hmm. to transfer her you know, photographs she spends a lot of time on her photographs and to, mm -hmm. to get it get the photograph onto the canvas and no qualms about it at all it's, and she doesn't care she's just like yeah mm -hmm. I, don't, I just want to get to where I want to get to with as my as um, possible yeah. Yeah, in as mo in the most efficient way possible, <clears throat> and using a projector is the most efficient. And if something more efficient comes along, I'll do that. 
And um, there's something refreshing about that. There's no, because she, she's very congruent with it. Like she hasn't got a, a problem with it at all. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I've talked to some people who they don't even use photo reference. Like they're just like, unless it's a live model, it's not a real painting, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, yeah. you know, I think, yeah. it, I think it's fine if that's your thing, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's fine to sort of say that someone's art, someone else's art is, is less because they don't do it exactly the same way you do right. in, in alignment right. with your beliefs and right. how yeah. you moved, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's very interesting. Um, yeah. So, so you're working on these to go back to what you're working on. So you're working on these one foot square, um, mm. pieces that have to do with your, um, you know, your sort of visions you get of other people or events. Um, is that fair? Um, well, it, yeah, I'll, I'll see something and I'll take, you know, it'll just strike me and I'll take a picture of it and mm-hmm. then I'll use that as my reference. And mm-hmm. when I'm painting, I'm not trying to make a, a representation of it. I'm trying to capture um, what it was about the thing that made me want to take a picture of it in the first place. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I was out uh, a couple of days ago. My, my wife likes to do cold water swimming, you know, in a wetsuit and in a lake. Oh. Um, I, yeah, I'm not. I don't want to do that. Yeah, I might, <laughs> but I, at the moment, I don't want to do that. But while she was swimming, I am. Um, I was just waiting with our dogs and I just looked, I sort of turned my head and there was this like most beautiful collection of mushrooms. You know, it was like, you couldn't, you know, the way it was organized, there was, there were unusual mushrooms, but the way they were put together uh, Mm -hmm. just around the base of this tree and there was some green uh, leaves, um, very lush kind of leaves, but just the whole composition was perfect, you know? So immediately I got the camera and I was, you know, I ended up getting wet actually, because the only way I could take the photograph was stand up a little bit in the lake. But, um, you know, so something like that happens. And then also I'll take the picture and I've kind of always been like that with with photography, but then Mm -hmm. I'll take it back to the studio and I'll sort of start from there and go, what is it about that, you know? whether it's the, the shape or just how it made me feel on the inside or mm. try and capture that in some way or another, you know? Very cool. Very cool. And do you usually use oil paints or other yeah. mediums? Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to transition. I started off when I started painting, I used acrylics mm-hmm. and then I went into uh, water-based mm-hmm. uh, oil paints mm-hmm. and I'm just kind of transitioning again. It's just knowledge really, because mm-hmm. I didn't really want to get into turpentine and, Mm-hmm. Um, solvents and that kind of thing right do but you know just... about lavender spike oil lavender and spike oil no no okay so um yes this is something that i discovered uh recently through attending some classes at grand central atelier um and a lot of the people there use um this lavender spike oil and i believe um I forget the company that sells it, but if you just Google lavender spike oil, it's like this very concentrated um, lavender, um, you know, essence of lavender that actually a lot of the old masters use that, not turpentine, um, and it's completely natural and non-toxic, and it functions in the same way that turpentine does. So um, it's, and it smells really delightful, and um, it's very intense, (laughs) but it's, (laughs) I think I like the smell a lot, but um, but that's could be something you could look into. Yeah, well, where I've come to now is like I discovered that many many artists don't don't use use them anyway. 
Yeah. Like um, say, again, just talking to Lee Price, just because I was talking to her the other day, it's in my, it's fresh in my mind. But she was like, yeah, no, I don't, I just use a little bit of linseed oil, but I don't mm -hmm. really, you know. I think if, if you're into glazing and if you're a sort of a technician kind of painter, you know the way some people are, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're a little bit nerdy when it comes to paint and they just know oh, yeah. all this stuff and they've got all this, you know, and that, that's the way their brain works. Mm -hmm. um, then, yeah, it would be more of a thing for you, like about uh, uh, solvents and mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. But I've realized that, yeah, you, you don't need it. Like you can you can work around it, you know. So, yeah, yeah. I can see myself transitioning from the water base. But then the other thing is you can, you know, I talk to other artists and they mix them all up, you know, like they do a layer of acrylic. Then they, you know, they'll use um, oil on top of it, a bit more acrylic. So that's mm -hmm. kind of freeing as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Whatever you're feeling like, I suppose. Um, okay, so tell us about where you would like to go in the future with your art. What are some of like your goals for maybe this year um, and where you'd like to see your art and also maybe where you'd like to see your art in the art world um, as well? Um, well, at the moment, um i'm very busy <laughs> so i'm not getting to paint as much as i would like but i know mm. that that's just kind of where i'm at at the moment because i'm setting up a lot of things and you know getting systems in place and as that settles down i'll have more time and mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of my immediate goal more time for painting mm -hmm. um then uh i'm just really curious to see how these work out um, I'm very curious about how this collaboration idea that I've been, that's been kind of formulating how that will yeah, happen. Because I think if, because I know such, uh, you know, fantastic figurative artists whose skill level is just fan, you know, so far above mine that um, if, if this idea of collaboration, if that took off and there was like, you don't know, 18 or 20 artists got involved in it, well, that would make a very interesting show you know, mm -hmm. it's an interesting idea. It's an interesting collaboration. Um, so that would make an interesting show. So that'll be nice if that happened. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, really, like the main, I'm kind of living my main kind of success with it in that I, I don't have any pressure. I can paint what I like. Um, mm -hmm. And if I, and the main thing is whether I'm happy with it or not. Right. Um, so, you know, if I can get to keep doing that, then that's mm -hmm. it. I'm, I'm very happy. Um, I don't have any, um, you know, it's not like I want to have a museum show or anything like that. Okay. I did, you know, like I've, I, I suppose it's just, I've, I, I kind of know there's, there are thing, thing I have many ideas, right. And it's taken me many years to kind of come to the place of knowing that's a lovely idea. I'm probably not going to do anything about that because there are, there's only so many ideas I can act on. Right. Um, so I could have loads of huge, you know, art ideas. I mean, when I see big art ideas, you know, acted out like something like say Christo would do, I think, oh, that's fantastic. You know, wouldn't it be great to do something like that? Mm -hmm. I know I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I might have the idea. All right, I'm, that's not to say that if something, you know, things can come along and just sort of set you on fire and and suddenly it is, something, it is something yeah. that you I would do but mm -hmm. I think mostly I'm happy to just keep going and learning and exploring um as I go you know very nice very nice and um 
I know that, so you worked in the animation studios and I'm curious about like, what are some of your favorite films that may have influenced your aesthetic with your art? Uh, I think Blade Runner probably yeah. springs to mind. Okay. Um, there are some films that are just lovely to look at, you know, in mm -hmm. the mood for love. Story's not that great, but it's just a lovely film to look at. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, Valerian is a more recent film. That's just nice to look at. But I think, you know, if I relate those back to painting, I think the strong kind of chiaroscuro, you know, the Caravaggio, the, the dark darks and the dramatic kind of lighting. I think, you know, those, I think, you know, those kind of films have a lot of that kind of thing in them. Mm -hmm. um, but, and, you know, like I, when I was a kid, we, you know, used to go to the cinema and it was a very big deal and it was in the era of Technicolor. So I think that and that kind of very saturated color mm -hmm. affected me as well. Mm -hmm. So I think I like that as well. Mm, very nice. Very nice. I just saw a film that was very, it's an older film. It's, um, it's called Orlando. Have oh, you yeah. ever seen that? Oh, I just, I just loved it. I thought it was so artistic and it yes. was very different. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm always curious. I, I like to ask artists about their film influences because I think film is um, just basically taking, well, it's, it is a different art, but it's also a very powerful art. Um, and many artists have made films. And so, so I always ask them about that. Would you ever make a film? Um, yeah, well, I've kind of, when I was working in the animation studio, like I, I ended up writing, I ended up doing, you know, script writing. Um, so script writing is a little bit like making a film <laughs> because, you mm -hmm. know, the, the usual complaint script writers have when the director is accepting the Oscar is, yeah, well, where were you when, the, <laughs> where were you when the page was blank, you know, <laughs> right. there, was, there was nothing there. I made it, I made the story. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I uh, for a while, you know, like maybe 10 years, I thought I was going to do film directing. Um, mm. But I realized that I didn't have the temperament for it. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I realized that, well, you know, if you want, <laughs> from, from a painting perspective, right, it would be like you having this, having a dream and going, okay, I want to make this painting. And now I have to go off and convince some people to give me the money to make my painting. And then um, I have to, you know, marshal an army of people, maybe 300 people to help mm -hmm. me make this painting, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I just kind of knew that where I was at at the time that I just didn't have the personality for that. I just, okay. I knew it would take too much of a toll on me uh, personally. Mm -hmm. And um, you have to be a particular kind of person yeah. To, yeah. to be able to, you know, yeah. you either get lucky and you find you have a great produ producer director relationship, you know, like say Ron Howard and Brian Glazer, you know, Brian gets the money, Ron makes the films. It's great. Uh, mm -hmm. Woody, Allen had, Woody Allen had a similar kind of relationship with his um, producer. Uh, you either get lucky like that or else you can do it yourself. You can do both. You can. Uh, mm -hmm. But I kind of knew I wouldn't I wouldn't have it in me to do that. You know, but, mm -hmm. but, but, you know, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it in the future. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I know some artists, they make these like these little solo films and they just like, I don't know. I, I think, I think it's interesting. You don't need a whole army to make something minuscule. You know what I mean? That's right. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So you can yeah. do many things, but um, I'm curious. I have one more question for you. Um, what do you think is the purpose of art? The purpose of art. Um, I think it's a very nice way of um, freeze framing or drawing attention to uh, things, whether it's beauty or um, mostly it's beauty. That's the sort of art I like anyway, but mm -hmm. not, not all artists is, is about bringing your attention to beauty, but it is taking something and drawing your attention to it. That's mm -hmm. like, in essence, that's what art does. So whether it's in the cave going, Hey, remember that hunt? Wasn't it brilliant? Well, let's, you know, here's me, here's the bison. Wasn't that great the way I chased that bison? <laughs> you know, it's like taking something that happened and kind of, you know, putting it somewhere, separating it out. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's versions of, of that. So whether you're making political art and you want to draw attention to political issues or whether you're making, uh, you're processing your childhood through your art or, or whatever it is, it's taken something that's there and then taken it to one side to, to be looked at, you know, mm -hmm. and it's in a funny, funny way. Like when you were talking about cinema, uh, because when I started drawing, like, as I say, back in third, 2013 and getting into painting, part of me was going, why are you doing this? Like, I thought we were into, I thought we were into films, you know, but mm -hmm. what I've come to realize is that films are quite closed in comparison to paintings mm -hmm. uh, because if you'd make a film correctly, um, particularly like a Hollywood kind of film, there's no questions at the end of it. You know, mm -hmm. you know how it all worked out. And, you know, it has a resolution, you know, like uh, probably because I know about scripts as well. There's a structure and you follow the structure and it has to resolve at the end. It starts mm -hmm. with conflict and finishes with resolution, mm -hmm. unless it's a French film. <laughs> they, yeah, you just never know what you're going to get there, you know, or European <laughs> film. But generally speaking, whereas mm -hmm. with the painting, if it's if it's a really good painting, it's just the almost the opposite of that. It just is, you know, open ended. If it's a very good painting, it's yeah. It, it, there's no end to that um, story, um, and everybody who looks at it uh, wraps it around their own story. If you know what I mean, they they make it, they inhabit the painting with you, uh, with yeah. with whoever made it. You know, so I think there's something uh, that uh, something in that as well that mm -hmm. that art fulfills. You know. Yeah, but I think definitely. right now, like particularly you say with, with, you know, everybody in being in lockdown, like the point of art is very obvious now. It's mm -hmm. like, it just makes everything better. Yeah. <laughs> it makes, yeah. it makes everything, whether it's, whether it is TV, film, whatever, music, mm -hmm. literature, you know, it would be a very barren kind of place without it. In a way, it's a reflection of, uh, our consciousness, our human consciousness, you know, mm. because nature is beautiful. It's lovely, mm. but it's mm -hmm. like, we, we are more than that. We're, we have something to say, you know, and art right. is, a, is one of those things that we have to say. Yeah. It's a language without words. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's interesting. Something that you said reminded me of a thought um, is that, you know, with each artist, like we all have our own filter of kind of like seeing the world. And, um, you know, people can be living 
you know, next door to each other and have completely different lives, completely different ways of seeing the world, completely different experiences because of the way that they see the world. And, um, and if that person was to draw the same thing, the same subject, then it would come out completely differently. And that's why we need so many different artists because we all have such different ways of seeing the world. And I think it helps it's, first of all, it's very interesting to see how all these different artists view, say the figure, how many ways, you know, can you, can you paint the figure? Like it's endless because there's endless amount of people. Yeah. Um, uh, but also to help us understand each other, you know, where, where we're coming from. And, um, you know, it just helps, it helps the human race understand each other, I think. And, yeah. you know, it helps us come together. Yeah, definitely. Like I found it very, uh, I particularly like uh, women figurative artists and I, for a couple of different reasons. One, they don't get, you know, they don't get represented enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that I find very helpful is that like, I didn't, I didn't even know about the male gaze till, I don't know, four or five years ago. I didn't even know it oh. existed. <laughs> right. <laughs> you were unconscious to it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, as soon as I did, and I was like, I could see it everywhere. But mm-hmm. what I find uh, brilliant about uh, women artists is it's a window into, well, that's how women see the world. And whether they're painting other women or just painting their life or whatever, it's like a, it's a window into a way, because, you know, if you, the way a man paints a woman and the way a woman paints a woman is very different. And yeah. I didn't even know that I didn't even because I'm a man and you know I just it's just part of the scenery inside me um, mm-hmm. of how I see things I didn't even think about it mm-hmm. but being say seeing how a woman paints a woman it's a it's a revelation to me and it's a little window into uh, what uh, you know a woman's lived experience is so I think mm-hmm. that's like fantastic mm-hmm. I agree yeah it, it lets you experience their way of seeing the world for a second through their painting yeah. So very cool. Amazing. Well, um, oh, so let's talk about your podcast. Um, and I, I was just getting so into your art. Um, so the last thing, let's talk about your podcast. Tell us about your podcast and uh, where people can find that. And um, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Um, well, as I say, it's, it didn't start off to be an art podcast. So it's called John Dalton Gently Does It. <laughs> so it's like nothing to do with art, but that's why that's what it started off with. And then it's become this. Uh, but now it's, um, I don't know, I think I'm up to 175 episodes or something wow. like that. Wow, that's amazing. They're all, yeah, they're all long form uh, conversations with artists mm-hmm. um, from around the world they're all figurative artists for the most part um and they're um very granular meaning we get right into you know what kind of brush you use what kind of palette do you like what kind of what do you like to paint on Mm -hmm. as well as the more philosophical what you know where they're where the artist is coming from when in in their work and what they're hoping for and what their influences are so yeah i mean the shortest is about an hour Mm -hmm. and the longest one so far is six hours (laughs) wow i have not seen that one yet Uh, yeah that was nicholas aribe six hours that's that's incredible yeah Um, and and it's funny it um 
like I stand up when I'm doing them. <laughs> and the only reason I stopped was my feet were sore. Um, mm -hmm. he, he's just very interesting. Uh, and then everything okay. he had to say was just, yeah, the time went really fast. But yeah, six, six hours, is the longest one. So yeah, the average is, yeah, between an hour to two hours. Um, and uh, a lot of them now, I used to edit them very extensively. Mm -hmm. And then when the first lockdown happened, I was getting people asking me, can we have more episodes, please? We're stuck in our house. We, you know, um, so I changed it up a lot and now they're all uncut. They just right from the time <laughs> when the, when the mm -hmm. zoom call clicks through, that's it. We're off and running. Mm -hmm. And um, so I've been able to do more, a lot more uh, uh, episodes uh, since, since uh, lockdown. So yeah, it's about once a week I, I have mm -hmm. one. And uh, yeah, it's just got a life of its own. It's got a, I mean, it's a very rewarding thing to do because, um, you know, I get feedback from people going, oh, it's really helped me f realize that there is a community of artists who are inter interested in this kind of figurative approach, mm -hmm. uh, interested in, uh, you know, classical training and interested in, the same kind of artists and the same kind of thing um so mm -hmm. that's lovely and mm -hmm. uh, and yeah i've got to meet like loads of uh, meet virtually meet um so many great artists and talk to them and and mm -hmm. and what another lovely thing and you probably get this as well with yours is that particularly with some of the bigger names like who did i mention earlier on bo bartlett or vincent desideri or some somebody like that you know that they are just dealing with the same, exactly the same stuff as somebody who is working away in um, what they feel is obscurity. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're trying to do the same things and they're dealing with the same issues as these, you know, heroes of theirs. And mm -hmm. uh, I've had a lot of people say that is just so helpful. With yeah, I've, I've, I very much enjoyed Bo Bartlett's um, interview. I listened to that and um, yeah, it was very interesting. Um, it was very good. But um, Yes. And how can people, so where can we find your podcast and how can we support your podcast as well? <laughs> Great. Thanks, Jessica. Um, okay. So it's johndalton.me. That's where everything is. That's everything to do with me is in that one thing. Okay. I couldn't get johndalton.com. Somebody else had it and they wouldn't sell it to me. Well, not oh. for a reasonable price anyway. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking through the domain, you know, the suffixes and there was a dot me and i was like well i'm john dalton so dot me so that's slightly <laughs> slightly quirky <laughs> so it's john dalton dot me mm -hmm. um, the podcast is called gently does it so if you just search for john dalton gently does it on apple or stitcher or spotify or i'm in most places um you you know that podcasts live because it's because you know i've been i've had this one for a long time it's what do they call that percolated or propagated into all the different places that podcasts okay. are mm -hmm. um and then i'm on patreon you're on patreon so okay i'm on patreon yeah so if you um i mean when i like i got in i started with patreon not long after patreon started so i used to have all sorts of tears and layers and all this kind of stuff and i don't do any of that now and it's mm -hmm. all based around tea <laughs> you're talking okay. about having a cup of tea yeah so it's it's sort of along the lines of if you listen to some of the podcasts you like them and you if you have this sort of feeling that if you met me you you know you'd buy me a cup of tea you'd have a chat with me well you can buy me the cup of tea so it's just one kind of tier that cup of tea level and mm -hmm. um 
yeah, that's how people can support me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do have a way where people can uh, uh, support me through PayPal as well. That's on the website because mm -hmm. not everybody likes Patreon. Mm -hmm. um, so those two ways, yeah, that's how people can support it. Okay, wonderful. So, so we can buy you a cup of tea and then are the, the higher levels, like we can buy you like a chest of tea. No, no, it's just no. a cup of tea. That's it. That's a cup of tea. <laughs> but but okay. you have the option to, you know, you can, it's not fixed at that, but it starts at the cup of tea and then you can okay. make it more, more if you want. Yeah. I see. Very wonderful. And then where can we see your art? That's a, that's on my website as well. John Okay, so everything is there. So John Dalton taught me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Even the even the further emergent stuff. There's a link there if that sort of speaks to you. You can go and explore all that side of it as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, John, for um, speaking with me today. This was really interesting, and I'm it's sure. My pleasure. Yeah, people are really going to enjoy it. And I wanted uh, to ask you though. Um, do you know Teresa Oaxaca? Um, I have never met her, but I, I love her work and, um, yeah, I love her work and I think she's a great artist. Yeah. <laughs> the reason I ask you is when I was looking at your, um, Instagram, but some of the other things you've done as well, you just reminded me, it was like, oh, you could be related to Teresa Oaxaca because you're one of the, those artists whose art kind of spills out into the rest of their life. You know, like some wow. people, you know, they paint these. <laughs> beautiful paintings and they don't look like that at all they look like they work in a bank or something or that you know they're just <laughs> who they are as an artist and what right. they what they create is very separate you know mm -hmm. but um teresa is um you know it's um i don't know what it is for you but like i asked her about it you know like why does she dress the way she does and what mm -hmm. you know and it's almost like she's it's not like she's in character but it's sort of uh, she lets it permeate her whole life so and that informs her painting is it similar for you oh definitely definitely I also worked in fashion for many years and um but even before that I think the first things that I ever drew were like you know princesses and dresses and like I just loved you know fashion and particularly yeah. like older styles of fashion um yeah like the whole the vintage the whole um you know the ruffles and the you know the cinched waist and the the big skirts and like all the historical fashions i just love all of that and um yeah yeah, yeah. and so that's what i paint a lot of times and i have a problem with collecting dresses like i love dresses <laughs> um so uh yeah i think it's just all you know mishmash together um okay. i just love being surrounded by all of it so Oh, okay yeah another artist just listen to your talk um alexandra manukin you know her work i don't know oh, okay she worked in fashion for a long time in fashion okay. design and mm. um she um, I'll, I'll send you a link to the um to my chat with her but her she makes um for her photo shoots she makes the, all the clothes but then yeah. she makes these elaborate kind of headdresses and mm -hmm all the uh, clothing it, it's a big part of her work as well mm -hmm. amazing i'll have to look into it but mm. thank you um i i appreciate it i i take that as a compliment so oh yeah it is yeah yeah all right you you and teresa could like do something together like a road show or something it, it's great <laughs> <laughs> it's great like nice um, kind of synergy there <laughs> thank you um all right well i will um put all the links that you mentioned in the description boxes and um you know, people can reach out to you. Are you on Instagram at all? I am. You, yeah. John Dalton art. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
John Dalton Art, so people can find yeah. you on there. And um, yeah, we can all buy you a cup of tea. And um, thank you so much again, John. And I, I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Thank you. You too. And thanks for everything that you do, because you're doing a lot there as well, aren't you? Yes, I am. But um, yeah, it keeps life interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, uh, we'll keep in touch, but yeah, we'll say goodbye for now. Okay. <laughs> I can't, I'm automatically going into how I end my podcast. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Bye for now. <laughs> bye for now. Talk yeah. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed listening, it would mean so much to me if you would give it a five-star rating. In fact, if you screenshot your rating and send it to me on Instagram at Visionary Artist Salon or at Jessica Libor Studio, I will give you a shout out as a thank you. I also wanted to let you know that I've created a gift for you from my heart that I'm so excited to share with you. It is a free guide called 30 Days to 3K, the definitive guide to authentically increase your art sales. In this 15-page guide, I share how I've created amazing results in selling my art online while retaining the worth of my art and feeling authentic. I'm sharing the process that has worked to get the results for me. All you have to do to get it is go to my coaching website, www.thevisionaryartistsalon.com and enter your email and it'll be delivered right to your inbox. I hope it brings you so much value and let me know how it works for you. For those of you who are ready to really transform your art career from the inside out to experience more abundance, creativity, and success, I encourage you to consider my completely personalized coaching program, the Artist Soul Mastery Program. In this one-on-one -on -one coaching program, my mission is to empower you to become the artist you've always dreamed of being by helping you remove internal blocks and step into the powerful and worthy artist that you are meant to be. For a limited time, I'm doing free 30-minute explore calls to find out if this would be the right fit for you. To apply for a call, visit the coaching website at www.thevisionaryartistsalon.com or shoot me a DM at Visionary Artist Salon. I'm here to chat. Thanks again for listening and I will talk to you soon. Remember that you are already worthy and everything you make is an expression of your unique spirit. Now go forth and create.